0: Welcome back to Can't Let Go, the new podcast from NBN where we talk about news and personal stories from the week that we just can't let go of. I'm your host, Jacob Lazaro, and I'm here with one returning guest, Paola de Verona, and one new guest. Guys, do you want to introduce yourselves?
1: I'm Paula de Verona. I'm Emma Coomer, and I'm the creative director of North by Northwestern Magazine.
0: All right, so we've got stories for you that we can't let go of this week. Who wants to start?
1: Oh, uh, I can start off because I'm new. I think like a lot of people this week, my mind just can't get off of that shooting in Las Vegas. And... The whole thing really is shocking, especially when you see the names of all the people that they've been publishing online and all the stories that a lot of the news outlets have been producing. But the thing that I think is most shocking, and I saw this in a New York Times piece, is that it took an hour for police to get into the hotel suite where the guy was standing. I just don't understand with this age of technology and the amount of like, speed we have in, like, relaying information. How it honestly took 60 minutes for them to figure out a way to break into the suite. And by that point, he was dead anyway. But, like, he, like, what if he wasn't? Like, that just freaks me out.
0: What I heard is that a security guard knocked on his door early, like, 15 or 16 minutes or something, and the guy apparently fired 200 rounds through the door at the security guard and then shot himself. And the police ended up coming back and they cleared the floor. By that point, he was already dead. So somebody did like try to figure out what was going on, but then you know, two hundred rounds through the door is kind of a deterrent. Um, is that
1: guy okay? Do we know?
0: I'm I'm not sure. I heard he was injured, but I I think he's, I actually
1: haven't seen that
0: yet. Did you guys see fine. the
2: things where they were the stories where they were saying that he had um, booked like a uh, two rooms looking over Lollapalooza? I did and, hear like, that. Yeah. Other festivals, which is really terrifying. Yeah,
0: two two well, rooms overlooking festivals. Lala. So far, nothing has come out. He is. He wasn't. I mean, I know ISIL. Um, said that he was affiliated with them, but I don't believe that they say that for any um, kind of yeah, this large event that town. happens. But I'd like
1: to take credit for all the evil. He was like
0: you know relatively successful. He owned rental properties. He was uh, pr- apparently a, a, a very prolific gambler. Did a lot of gambling, but he was you know successful. And um, his his brother, I know, was interviewed on um I think it was CNN a few day a day or two after the attack was talking about how you know he seemed like. Nothing was out of the ordinary the last time that he had talked to him, which is just weird. So it's like, why'd he do it? Because if if you, what's coming out now is that he obviously planned it out for like a very long time.
2: Yeah, especially going back to the
0: Lollapalooza thing.
2: I really like the stories that are coming out that are showing um, a connection between him and all these other like white middle aged shooters and that they were all, a lot of them were like domestically abusive to their girlfriends or partners. It's like we have, like, not only do we have a gun problem, but we have, like, this domestic violence problem that is, like, maybe a key to where, like, where these things are spurring from. It's just, the the whole mental illness issue comes up a lot when it's, like, these middle-aged white guys, but not so much when it's anyone else, so...
1: That's the problem I have
2: with it. Yeah. it's It's, like, almost like a way to kind of justify and, like, give an excuse for these white men killing, because they can't put them in the box of terrorists, because mm-hmm. they're not brown and
0: Muslim. Yeah. So now we're moving into the political sphere with um, my news story. So I'm sure um, people who've been following what's going on in Washington recently have been um, hearing about Rex Tillerson and how um, he's been having a lot of, um, supposedly having a lot of fights with the president. Apparently he, um, he called him a, a moron at one point, and that was uh, been confirmed by several sources. So um, there's a BuzzFeed article I read today um, with the but. Um, beautiful title of Today Tillerson Tried to Kill the Rexit, the Rexit rumors, once and for all. But basically, it's talking about how he's you know, saying, and I have never considered leaving, blah, 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 I love this administration, etc, etc. An interesting thing in this article is that one U.S. official um, expressed confidence, I'm um, quoting the Wesley article here, in Tillerson's status due to a so-called suicide pact, which is apparently between him, um, Defense Secretary Mattis, and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, where they've apparently, according to this unnamed source, they've all agreed to quit if... Um, Trump tries to get rid of any of them which I'm just like wow that's like some real palace intrigue right there you know like, like
2: they they'd all quit just because yeah them. I mean
0: to, to be to be fair it is an unnamed source who just told this to BuzzFeed that I'm like wait Buzzfeed the article news. literally
1: says an unnamed source what kind it says of it says this? one. it says
0: one. US official does not name the u.s it's official the kind of stuff
1: they pull in people magazine when they're like a source close to the person blah 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 <laughs> I
0: don't know I'm I'm inclined to believe it just by the the level of true palace intrigue and infighting has coming of the Trump White House. It seems, it seems to be, like, an unpleasant place to work.
2: It might be, like, something hmm. that they talked about, like, over beers on a Friday, and they're like, if if he fires you, like, we're all quitting. Yeah. Like, it <laughs> might not be, like, not be a Friday at the White House. <laughs> yeah. So my story is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and it's about, um, Representative Tim Murphy, a representative for Pennsylvania. Oh, this guy. Who, um was found to have be sending, uh, sending text messages to his mistress that he had an affair with to get an abortion, even though he's staunchly pro-life. So, I mean, I feel like that speaks for itself. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's... The, hip,
0: the hip level of hypocrisy there.
2: I feel like it's so symbolic of conservatism in the White, Ho- in the White House and in Washington, D.C. They, like, sell all these values... And then behind closed doors, they're not even like adhering to them. In this, it's it's so great because he sends a text message to her. She tells him, "You have zero issue posting your pro life stance all over the place when you had no issue asking me to abort our unborn child just last week when we thought that was one of the options." And then he answers. I get what you say about my March for Life messages. I've never written them. Staff does them. I read them. I read them and winced. I told Staff, don't write anymore. I will. So it's like he okay, if he's if this is true, then he's literally just selling like these Values, so he'll get elected and be like supported yeah, by yeah. all. Yeah, s- he doesn't actually <laughs>
0: believe in that. believe in that,
2: like that's so yeah. bad. And I think it's, I mean um, he's
0: resigning, so I mean I guess there is some still some political justice in the world. Not everybody has the Trump Teflon effect, immune to everything, which is nice. But um, it
2: just shows like the constant attacks that women have to face in this country.
0: it's time to move on to our three personal stories that we can't let go of this week um who wants to start
1: i can uh so this isn't anything that's happened recently but this podcast is called can't let go and i think i think about this at least every day um it's a ghost train so in a town near me where i live in wisconsin called shorewood we used to have this train um which they closed down because it was not a successful train but because they missed it so much they used everybody's tax dollars to make a ghost train and this isn't what it, it isn't what it, you think it is so what they do is they paid for a light to come and flash across the bridge so it looks like a train's <laughs> coming. And they paid for these really loud sounds that rumble the whole town to make it sound like there's a train coming. And they have this effect so that it sounds like it's far away and it gets closer. So it literally sounds, feels, and looks like there is a train. And you can stand on the bridge where the train is supposed to be and see the lights go whooshing past you. And it's it's kind of a surreal thing, but it's just so dumb. It's the How much thing. did they pay for
0: that? Yeah, I'm curious. Was this taxpayer money? Yeah, cash like, oh Your money. Oh and people my God. wanted that?
1: It comes twice a day at 9 30 p.m. for the southbound train and ten oh my PM for the northbound. God. Was it
0: like a thing people were like, Oh my kid grew up sleeping to the sound of that train and now he can't fall asleep? Like what? It, like it, what? It, it, it wasn't
1: even recently that they shut it down. That's been shut down for years. And like, they've
0: and they've been doing this for years?
1: No, they just made it like this past what? year.
0: Oh my that's my amazing. God. Oh,
1: it's so good.
0: I feel
2: like humanity, that's humanity right there. That's here. really... But it's free
1: guys. It was free entertainment. I went three nights in a row. Yeah, you just kind of wait don't... for it. I mean, that'd be kind
2: of cool. I would like to see
0: Wow. It. Somewhere in Wisconsin in a few hours, people will be yeah, waiting maybe. for the ghost train.
2: Do people wait and watch like, to see if it'll come?
1: It What's on this bike path? Because the the train tracks now turned into this, like, bike path uh-huh. that goes the route of the train. Uh-huh. So people will bike from far away and be like, oh, we got to get in time for the ghost train. And you'll see all these people get off their bikes and just stand there in the path where the train lights go past. And everyone is just waiting for the lights and, like, pretends to freak out when it's coming. Oh, my
0: God. Speaking of Wisconsin, my personal story this week also involves um, Wisconsin. So I'm um, Justin, who you heard a few weeks ago. And I are in this class this quarter called um, Reporting on Native American Environmental Issues through Medill here and as part of that class, stopped by Patty Lowe, who's like this really great professor. And as part of that class, we um, took a trip to the Oneida Indian Reservation, which is up by Green Bay. We were there this weekend. I got back a few hours before we started recording this. Um, there's a white corn cooperative up up there, which is a few families have come together and basically they pitch in to grow the white corn, which is important for Oneida, you know, ceremonial cultural heritage sort of thing. So they have a white corn cooperative where these families come together and they all pitch in labor and they get free fields from the 4-H club up in Green Bay and they grow this corn together and it's free. Everybody, everybody in the cooperative gets an equal share of the resulting corn. So we were up there um, for their husking bee, which is when they just start harvesting. So um, for the past few days, Justin um, and I and our professor Patty and this other um, student in the class, April, we were just there husking corn um, for about two days. And that <laughs> it was, was just
1: three of you and a teacher Oh, no, no, corn. no. There
0: was a bu- There were a bunch of people from the <laughs> A bunch of people from the corn cooperative were there too, but it Mine was just a It was just a really really cool thing cuz we're just up in this little barn in Wisconsin um, and this husking the corn and then we're braiding the corn into these giant um, braids that hang from the ceiling of the barn which is how they dry the corn cuz part of the thing is that they're trying to do as much like hand labor as possible to try and connect with like um, ancestors and just keep it kind of organic and promote food sovereignty that's part of the other goal of the co-op. And it was just really interesting to just be up there for a few days.
1: Pretty corny. I like oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to corn stories i'm all yours oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> See, i
0: thought i thought i was the fun person but apparently emma has surpassed emma me you. on that wow now i know how <laughs> annoying i am
1: oh yikes <laughs> just, or speaking of kidding. corn shucks
2: so my story is short and sweet But as I said when I first got on the show, um, that most of my stories would just be me being back on my bullshit. I am sticking true to that narrative. So What are you back on your
0: bullshit about right now this week, Paula?
2: (laughs) On Friday night, I had my discussion for a story I'm working on for MBN. And um, I met with some girls. And then that was in Annenberg. And so, after that was done, I walked all the way back to Allison to my dorm, and I was just chilling there, like, on my phone for, like, an hour and a half until Mia came, my friend Mia came to pick up my camera for me to, so I could borrow, uh, so she could borrow it. And I go back to my room, because I had an assignment due at midnight that I hadn't started, and it was already, like, 10-something, and I check, I look inside my book bag and I realize that my laptop isn't there. So I had to run all the way back to Annenberg. This is the second time I almost lose my laptop in the span of the past three weeks. And um, I ran back to Annenberg. I was, like, sweating. It was raining. And I get to (laughs) where the classroom was. And my laptop was there. So I recovered my laptop for the second time. And I think um three times the charm. I think if I forget it a third time, it won't be there when yo, I go back yo. to get it. I
0: was about to say, so... at some point, your luck's going to run out, and then what are you going to do? Yeah. I, su- <laughs> I suggest you, like, back up your hard drive just in case you need to, like, make an, a- make an emergency laptop purchase or something.
1: If you lose it, can we commemorate it with a ghost laptop?
0: Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> just we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get like, a recording of the Apple startup noise, and oh every day at 6 p.m., <laughs> Powell will walk in, wherever Powell is, she will just hear... That's the end of this week's Can't Let Go. The next episode will be out on Tuesday, as usual. You can find our show on NorthlandWestern.com, of course. But this show and all other NBN podcasts are also available on iTunes and in the Google Play Store. If you find them there, you can subscribe to them, and you'll get a notification whenever we make a new episode. Our theme song is Little Lily Swing by Tritacium, under Creative Commons, attribution license. I'm your host, Jacob Lazaro.
2: I'm Emma Coomer. I'm Paola Devarona.
0: And this is NBN Live. <laughs> Speaking of Moscow... I almost called it muskegon. It's not muskegon. Like muskego. Muskego, yeah. Sounds like a brand of mosquito or